recognition and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Pleasant good morning to everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Coles Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Yours truly, Coles Brown, uh, joining our number one by the head baseball coach at the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, Coach Carlos James. Coach, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing fine. You're, you're, you're sitting as a guest co-host. But I think it's in capable hands. Normally, uh, Charles Edmond is joining me, but he's calling the action right now between Southern University and FAMU in the SWAC yeah. baseball tournament. So with that being said, Coach, I'm going to give everyone the guest menu, and we'll get right into uh, a lot of discussion about the SWAC baseball tournament championship 2022. Of course, Coach Carlos James in today's guest menu, uh, Brian Fulford of the OG Strike Zone co-host. He'll join me as well in our number two, Coach Van Petaway. Of course, we're going to talk some NBA playoffs. Boy, it has been a just a fantastic playoffs uh, down to the final four and actually now going to be the final two after a Sunday. Uh, A.D. Drew and Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, A.D. Drew of, of Black College Sports Wrap, and uh, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill of Inside the HBCU Sports Lab will give us a live report uh, from the 2022 Southwestern Athletic Conference Baseball Championship, which resides this year in Birmingham. So that's the guest menu. Uh, Coach James, it has been a very, very interesting 2022 Swag Baseball Tournament Championship. What uh, what is your initial thoughts on, on, the, on the baseball tournament so far? The East is a beast. <laughs> East, I did. East, I have that in my notes. Yeah, the East is taking over as as the toughest side now, uh, with with the addition of Thune and, and Florida and M. I mean, hell, I mean, the three East teams left and. Southern is the only team holding it down for us. Yeah, and and as we speak, um, 
I'm kind of monitoring the game. Uh, I think it's, well, it looks like someone just went yard, maybe for Southern University. So I'm going to try to, you know, keep abreast of what's going on. But the last time I looked, it was four to four, uh, Southern and fam you, but, um, Coach, a, a, a lot of things to uh, discuss. I've, I've made a bunch of notes. Of course, the weather delay uh, played a big part early on in the tournament. Coach Kador is the analyst uh, for the yeah. Swag Baseball Tournament. And uh, i tell you what, I've enjoyed it. Just a walking uh, encyclopedia history. Uh, very funny as, as far as, you know, what he adds to the, uh, the, the broadcast. Low-scoring games, a lot of one-run games in, in, in the first day. And what can you say? The heart of a champion. Never underestimate the heart of a champion. Southern University with two come-from-behind victories, one against JSU and FAMU. I, I'll stop right there, but just what I've – in my notes, you want to respond to that? Yeah, I mean, Southern Southern has that championship pedigree. I mean, and, and it's uh, it's more recent than anything. Yeah, we know the history of Southern, you know, with the 26-27 uh, SWAC championships, but it's been more recent lately with the with the groups that's the one the last two, you know, and, and you got a lot of those guys that's still on that roster that understands when tournament time comes, they know how to step it up. And I think it's less pressure on them as well because – we, they, you, you kind of playing with house money. They've won the last two. So it's like the pressure's on everybody else. And they seem to respond, you know, because one thing about Southern, uh, they're go, they're not going to ever quit. You know, they're going to always play to the end. And it's been showing their their uh, their experience on the diamond has, has shown a lot. And they've been getting really good starting pitching. Well, we're going to talk about pitching as well. Uh, in my notes, I've got quality versus quantity. Sometimes you need uh, both. Um, but I did have the East teams very strong in the tournament, as you alluded to. Uh, Southern University has two victories, being, you know, from the Western Division. Um, also, I'm missing someone else. I believe Prairie View got a, a, yeah, a, a victory. Um, but they're, they're eliminated. But, you know, Coach Jackson State. Uh, uh, what a what a run last year! And then they get to the tournament, they go undefeated. Then Southern defeats them. They come from behind. Uh, Southern University comes from behind to defeat them. Day one, and then Prairie View, yeah, that was the victory over Jackson State, six to three. I'm hearing, I'm hearing uh, some of the uh, Jackson State alums are uh, kind of grumbling a little bit, but I say Coach Omar gets gets a pass. He really does because you look at at, at his, his pedigree and what he's done. But uh, Jackson State zero and two doesn't it doesn't feel well, I guess, for the Jackson State uh, alum. Well, you know, one thing about it, people got to understand: Jackson State was missing two key players all year, um, and then you know you replace some guys from last year too uh, that left. They had some key guys that graduated last year. Um, then also you got to understand, again, what we talked about the East is a lot better than it was last year with the addition of Bethune and, and Florida A&M. And then the other thing I would caution Jackson is remember Kamaji. Remember Kamaji. Omar has done a great job with that program. Don't get caught up in the, in the Coach Prime hype. 
and do something stupid because you got a really good coach that just had a down year and he's he's owed that. I mean, Omar does a great job with that program and you'll see Jackson rebound next year. I can guarantee you they'll be in the top two next year. You know, Coach, I, I would have to agree with that. And you bring up Coach Comedy, uh, yeah, former head football coach at Jackson State University. But the East is is, is very strong. And um, talking to the, my colleague Charles Bishop of the pregame show, he he, he talked about the the, the injuries and um, that really affected Jackson State. So once again, I I he I, I shouldn't even have to say he deserves a, another chance what he has done it, it's in the right it's it's going in the right direction i agree with you coach coach omar will will have it um he will have the situation corrected a asap um the impact of bethune cookman and famu we kind of talked about it all season before the season what the impact uh would be now in the swag uh, baseball tournament and plus in the regular season, but especially in this tournament, you can, you can see the impact coach. They bring both teams bring a great programs uh, to this conference and, and made the, the baseball conference aspect much stronger. Yeah. But it, you know, with, with, with those two teams, the thing that jumps out to me is pitching. I think they they mm-hmm. have a deeper pitching um, uh, roster than anybody in the SWAT. And I think that's from, Playing in the MEAC and uh, being in on that, that uh, East Coast, you know where you got a lot of guys that pitch in Florida and that area, they're they're deeper uh, pitching wise um, than than most people are in our conference. Yeah, pitching wise, and 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 I would agree with you on that, um, Coach. Now we're down to basically the final uh, four per se in the Swag Baseball Tournament, both. Uh, FAMU and uh, Bethune-Cookman, they have to win twice. And right now it's, what, four to four, top of the seventh. Uh, FAMU has uh, base runners on first and third. But you talk about the pitching. So the advantage would be to to the teams that have the, the, the most of uh, the better pitching and, and, and the, the amount of pitches uh, going into – you know, today in, in the championship games, uh, Southern, FAMU, Alabama State, and Bethune-Cookman, their pitching ha- has, has really uh, been the, the helpful thing for them going into this tournament. Right, right. You know, right now, I, I would give FAMU the nod uh, right now over Southern with the pitching. You know, um, usually in the SWAC I've always alluded to, most teams have one and a half good pitchers. Good starting pitcher. Southern has gotten two really good starts, uh, but you know they had some come from behind wins, so they've had to use some guys, uh, which would give FAMU the nod. You know today, um, I, I, I would say Southern has to win this game uh, mm-hmm. because if they don't, it may be trouble. It may be a free for all in in, the, in the, the next game. And then as far as that, that, that other game between Alabama State and Bethune-Cookman, I would say the same thing. I think Alabama State has to win game one because if you get to game two, I think Bethune has a little bit better pitching left. Um, and, and then you'll see a FAMU-Bethune-Cookman championship game, and I don't think too many people in the SWAC want to see that in the first year. 
And, and speaking of that, boy, Southern gets out of a jam. They turn a double play to end the inning and uh, still four to four. And, you know, that's interesting, Coach, that you talk about the pitching and, and the advantage and the depth. It, it, it's kind of equivalent to um, if I could bring in um, the NBA playoffs. It's a it's a game six situation. And right. you can you can close it out and, and, and win it. But if you don't, then it goes to right. game seven and then all bets are are, are off. Boy, maybe right. that's a good sign for the Miami Heat there. But um that pitching, you're absolutely uh, right. And then even we've talked over the years, coach, even when you go into regional play. Um, but let's let's just back up to the swag tournament. Low scoring mm-hmm. games, but but Coach Kadar and Charles made a great point of talking about, you know, in game one, you, you're throwing your your Friday night starters. But then after that, and, and Charles talked about he thought the games would be really high, high scoring overall, but it, that has not been the case. Except for yesterday evening uh when you had uh i think fam you beat prairie view 17-1 um that again that shows you the depth of pitching uh mm-hmm. that, that those two teams bring to the conference that you'll probably start to see hopefully the other teams in our conference start to try to get deeper in pitching as well and as far as recruiting you're going to see not that, that that hasn't been the case, but going forward, how, how do you do you put more emphasis on uh, on the pitching, or that's just part of the overall needs that you have to to, to recruit with, or uh, recruit yeah, for? Yeah, well, well, what I've seen in the conferences is is, is the SWAC is more of an offensive conference uh, as opposed to what the MEAC did or was doing. Uh, so you you tend to have uh, just say a 35-man roster, most SWAC schools have 20 position players. You know, they want to go for the offense and win, and then you probably got 15 pitchers where only eight of those are good, are decent, you know. Um, I think you'll start to see a change where, um, just like in our program, if we can get to fully funded, what we, what we plan to do is go to 13 position players and 21 pitchers. You know, so that we can have that that pitching depth, and I and I and I really see the other schools in our conference that do that are fully funded starting to make that change as well, um, because of tournament and games. Hey, let's go to 14 position guys, um, and then have you know 21, 22 pitchers, and then you make you get a good 12 out of that out of that bunch of 22. Well, it's going to be interesting. Not that you guys don't have pressure on you, but I understand what you're saying. You know, fully funded, the the, the resources. And uh, speaking of the resources, uh, since the last time we talked, and, and I kind of we were still on the baseball uh, conversation, mm-hmm. um, it, it was relayed that um, the Swag Baseball Tournament for 2023, is going back to uh, New Orleans. Um, and basically, uh, Charles Edmond said that it was, uh, they've got some commitments from, you know, the, the Major League Baseball and, 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 you know, to give some upgrades to the stadium. But I think the main concern was the dugouts. But how does Coach James feel about 
um, the tournament going back to New Orleans for, for next year? Well, well, as you can see right now, if you watch the games on, on, on uh, the SWAC digital network, there's not a lot of people in the stands. I mean, or if it is, that, that stadium is engulfing them to where it looks like nobody's there. Um, whereas it, at New Orleans, it was the perfect setup um, for our fans. And I think it was, it was uh, geographically, you know, it, it helped everyone to be able to get there. And we had better crowds at New Orleans. And plus, New Orleans is more of a, a uh, vacation destination, so to speak. You know, you're talking after the school year, you know, right before summer, right before Memorial Day now you'll get, you know, the SWAC tournament in New Orleans. I think you have a pretty, really, a, a really good crowd there. And then that bodes well for when you're showing it on television, you know, to, to be able to help our brand more. So, Coach, you, you would say <laughs> kind of disappointed in, in the attendance so so far yeah. in, in, in the tournament. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and one of the other points, Coach, was that Charles made, Charles, and I'm talking about Charles Edmund, um, was that you know, I guess the Council of Presidents they kind of like they're at this point where they like the games to be played in a you know a semi-pro uh, facility. But to your point, yeah, I, I think New Orleans is more of a fan-friendly uh, as far as attendance-wise with, with the tournament. Hell, even Baton Rouge was a, was an outstanding place to you know just for Correct. as the ambience and the atmosphere. Um, New Orleans will it be long term? You think short term or it's too early to tell? Uh, I I think uh, from what I've my dealings with uh, Doctor McClellan in the SWAC office, he's looking for a long term solution. You know, we're talking ten years. You know, so mm-hmm. I think we can make the improvements to the dugouts. Uh, and some other little small improvements to the to the stadium that can accommodate us. I, I would I would say yeah, we would probably be there for the next ten years at least. Hmm, that's interesting. And what yeah. would um, Major League Baseball their their input into this uh, this this tournament situation back in New Orleans? Well, one thing about that is. Uh, the Players Alliance has gotten involved in uh, black college baseball and as sure as uh, Major League Baseball. So I think with those new partnerships now, um, I think that opened that door for New Orleans to kind of come back into play, you know, for a SWAC tournament. Uh, so um, I, I think it's a good thing. I, I really do. I mean, because surely our programs need the help and we need that, that uh, uh, affiliation with Major League Baseball and the Players Alliance. So I think it's a win-win for all of us. And then, again, it's a win-win for our fans because, again, New Orleans is a place that, you know, it's for, for I would say, at least 10 of the schools, it's it's an easier uh, place to get to. Um, and then, you know, they got a nice airport and things like that. So, you know, the other schools shouldn't have any problem as well. So, um, I think it, it'll be a good long-term situation. Um, visiting Coach Carlos James, head baseball coach at the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, scoring update, game update, bottom of the seventh. Southern University has a one-point lead over FAMU, five to four. No outs 
have a base runner on second base coach. I think this is going to come down to, <laughs> to the ninth inning. I, I, I really don't believe five runs or four runs, five runs is, is enough uh, the way these two teams have battled uh, since yesterday and then today. What do you think? Five yeah. runs doesn't get it. Well, it, it don't matter. Just that Southern has to score one more run than FAMU or, or <laughs> not. It's going, be, it's going to be tough to, this evening. I mean, it, it's going to be a tough turnaround for them this evening because, again, I, I really feel that FAMU has the advantage pitching-wise uh, yeah. going forward. And, and I think they really have to do whatever it takes to win this game uh, today. Yeah, Southern gets a base hit, and now uh... – Runner at third, first and third, I believe, and um, still no outs. Got to, got to, got to push those those runs across the plate whenever you can. Coach, we're gonna you take the, a time. Go ahead, coach. Go ahead. Yeah, you need those insurance runs, and then you also got to understand, Coach Crenshaw is a pitcher himself, and 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 I'm telling you, he's fully aware of what his pitching depth is, and the more runs he can push across. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a starter come back to close the game out if he has to. Hmm. Well, Coach, you're a coach. You have the baseball knowledge. And that's going to be pretty interesting as, yeah, FAMU, <laughs> the uh, coach is out for FAMU at the mound. I guess they're talking about their next move of, or if they're going to uh, just kind of calm him down maybe or getting um, the bullpen some more time to uh, warm up. Coach, I'm going to take a timeout when I come back. Brian Fulford scheduled to join the Coles Brown Show for the first time. He's co-host of the OG Strike Zone. He's a FAMU graduate coach. And oh boy, that ball game uh, yesterday, Southern down 7-0. to It looked bleak. It really did. But then I had to think about it. When you're talking about Southern University, you can always, Southern's going to always battle to the end. No lead, it's safe. But we'll see how Brian is feeling then, Coach. Let him have it if you want to. You got my permission. <laughs> we'll take a timeout. You're watching okay. the Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. We'll be right back. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High-quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. give you just one measly entertainment subscription. One is no fun. With Verizon, there's up to seven entertainment subscriptions with your unlimited plan. That's seven times the... <laughs> seven times the... No, no. Seven times the... Yes. Music, gaming, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+, Plus, and more. That's seven times the entertainment. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better costs less than you think. 
For five-star backyards, Yellowwood brand pressure-treated pine. If it doesn't have this yellow tag, you don't want it. Are you ready? It's time. The inaugural Urban NerdCon is coming to Montgomery, Alabama, July 29th through the 31st. Blurds, nerds, and geeks from across the universe will converge on the capital city to see celebrity guests such as The Last Dragon, Tybok, Megan Tandy, and voice actor Dave Fenoy. Hey, how you doing? I'm voice actor Dave Fenoy with a shout out to all my geeks, freaks, and urban nerds. Just want to let you know I'm going to be there and I want to meet you at the Urban NerdCon Gaming and Cosplay event. It's happening July 29th through the 31st in Montgomery, Alabama. Hope you want to meet me as much as I want to meet you. So join us by visiting TheUrbanNerdCon.net for ticket and vendor information. This will be the premier blurred event in the universe. TheUrbanNerdCon.net. Our heroes, our villains, <coughs> our stories, everyone's con. See you there. Sweetest sounds on earth. The human <laughs> jukebox. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to the Carlos Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. Joined by Coach Carlos James, head baseball coach at the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. And the guy who's kind of have that smirk on his face, Brian Fulford, co-host of the OG <laughs> Strike Zone <laughs> Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Coach James. Welcome back. <laughs> uh, good, good morning, Carlos, or afternoon. Good morning, afternoon, Coach James. Good to see you guys. Uh, I was having a good morning until we got to the bottom of the seventh inning here, uh, and now it's turned into a bad afternoon. That, that's what's happening right now. Well, well, you know, hmm. Southern's up six to four now. In the bottom of the seventh, but uh, as Coach James said, uh, FAMU has the pitching advantage in the depth. I'm still nervous. Six to four, no lead is safe. Southern has to garner some more runs, but um, Brian, already FAMU and Southern, um, a, a a lot of good competition between these two baseball programs. And um, yesterday I had to call you. Man, FAMU's up 7-0. to zero. It looked bleak in Southern University. I think I tweeted, never underestimate the heart of a champion. And they were able to come back. Um, boy, but what, 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 what a ball game. I think, guys, this is the start of a, a nice competitive uh, rivalry as far as baseball, Southern and, and FAMU. What do you think? Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, it's a shame that we don't have an opportunity to see these teams during the regular season, you know, the way that the scheduling is set up in the SWAT uh, for baseball. And hopefully 
enough coaches uh, will be behind. And I, I'm curious to hear what Coach James thinks about not being able to play more. Uh, let me see, Coach, you're in the West. So being able to play some of the teams now in the East, um, I, that's what I found interesting about going into the tournament uh, on day one, the fact that you had four, you know, top four from the East, top four from the West that really hadn't really seen each other, maybe except for a preseason or early season uh, contest uh, that was um, at the beginning of the year. And then you also had the three of the top four pitching staffs going up against three of the four top uh, hitting lineups. And, you know, we saw on day one and actually here in the final four so far, the East, which had the top pitching staffs, seem to have gotten to the final four. Now, that doesn't mean they will win because obviously if Southern wins today, they advance to the championship. But I I heard Coach talk about this earlier, I think, in an earlier segment, or maybe it was Coach Kador, but p- pitching is so important. And and that's what uh, that that's what we've seen, and that's why I felt optimistic about FAMU's chances. Now I will say this, Carlos. I hear you, and I even heard Coach Cater talk about this about how Southern has this. Uh, you can't count them out, and they just rally. They find a way. Well, I, I think watching FAMU baseball is not for the weak-hearted because I have seen, and a couple other guys have pointed this out to me. We have a habit in the middle innings of just kind of making plays that are head scratchers. And we've had, if you watch every game that FAMU has played, including this one now, the middle innings just see, is something. Whether it's, uh, you know, like like Coach Kadar pointed out, which I thought was one of the great analysis tips I've ever heard. When our pitcher throws over the first uh, with a catcher, I think it was Porter, the catcher from Southern, is on first. We're up seven to nothing. The catcher gets on first base, and for some reason, the pitcher is throwing over the first as if he's going to steal. And you can hear the laughter in Cater in Coach Cater's voice. He's like, "Why are you throwing over there to the catcher? He's not running." And what happens? He throws that ball. It gets away. All of a sudden, it just jump starts. It's like a little snowball that just goes rolling down the hill. We give up five runs, two unearned, and I mean, but just plays like that, just. That's what's so frustrating about this team this year. Good team, but they just have these moments where they kind of have what I like to call brain farts, and it just, I, it's frustrating. So that that's what that's what we've been dealing with this year. But uh, I don't know. Down two with uh, you know top of the eighth coming up. Any, you know we got a chance, Carlos. We got a chance. Six out six outs away for Southern University. But coach, speak to that point. Um, you know, fundamentals, no matter what sport, is still uh, very important. Uh, mental errors, of course. But he talked about in his first point, Brian did, about seeing more competition during the regular season between the Eastern and Western Division. And we've talked about that before, uh, Coach. But, you know, from your point of view, how can this – could we see more of this? Or should we see more of uh, interdivisional play? during the during the regular season well well you know we talked about this before that's one thing that that will happen eventually that's something that all the coaches do want uh, and you know uh football basketball comes first and once we can get those those sports back on solid ground and we can get some normalcy back and we get some some money back 
flowing through our campuses, then you'll probably start to see us play everybody or we come up with some type of rotating schedule where we may play, you know, two of the schools one year or three of the schools one year and three the next year and just kind of rotate them off. But there are discussions um, to play everybody. Everybody wants to play everybody because of that particular reason. When you get to the tournament, you have no idea about the, you know, your opponents on the other side. So, and, and we also think that it'll make our conference a lot stronger too by playing, you know, all the schools. But right now it's just a financial thing. And I think, you know, give it, give it a couple of years where we can get, you know, this COVID behind us and, 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 and football starts to get on the solid ground and basketball, and then we'll, you should see uh, all the SWAC schools probably playing each other at some, some point. When you say because of the financial reason, of course, um, but when it moves forward, will ge- geographical or uh, geography play a, 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 a small part or a or, or, or big part? Because Southern Jackson – in different divisions, you know, and, and in the past they've played, but it's, you know, it's like a two and a half hour drive. So with uh, right. geographic geographics, uh, geography play a part in, in, in this decision making in the future? Yes, yes, yes. And, and then you'll try to keep some, you know, some rivalries or start some rivalries too, you know, the all. And then you got to think about the scheduling. The, 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 the main thing you got to think about is, how do you schedule your 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 Texas schools versus your Florida schools on a yearly basis? Do you do you go into Florida once, you know, as a Texas school and play both, uh, or do you you home and home that year, or do or you or do you skip every other year, you know, because that's going to be a big financial burden on those four schools trying to get from Florida to Houston and Houston to Florida. I think the other schools uh, we should be okay. Um, well, it may be a longer trip for us as well, but uh, I think those are the things. The logistics has to be worked out as well, because there, there again, that goes back to your finances. And then we, we are. It's not like basketball where you play one game and you can play like fam you on that side, and then you got a day off and you play the other one. We're there for three days, and then if we have to go and play Bethune, now you're talking about a whole week, you know, that you got a school out there. And just to be honest with you, you're talking about a, probably a fifteen thousand dollar trip, you know, and that's just mm. on the bus, you know. Uh, so those are things that we have to work out, you know, going forward, so that we can show the presidents and the ads, you know, is it going to be economical to be able to do that on a yearly basis to play everyone, or do we rotate them off, you know, sort of like what the SEC does, you know, you may play this year, I may play uh, Bethune. Jackson and and uh, A&M, and then the next year I may play Valley, FAMU, and the other schools. You know that that's left. So that that may be a better uh, scenario. Yeah, Brian, I, I think that may be the way uh, they uh, lean as far as doing. Let me it ask that this. Way. Let me ask this, Carlos, or even Coach. What do you guys do, do? Do we like the format of the two divisions? You know, I, I think sometimes when you have 12 teams, uh, is it advantageous to do East and West? Would it be better to do a more uh, round robin uh, open style? And then it would open up to be able to, because I was thinking like right now, you guys, everybody plays three home, three away. 
Um, I'm going to try to do the math here. That's six times five. That's 30 games right there. So how would you, you know, I don't know if that's the mandate or the, for conferences, 30, but if it is, then you're, you're trying to figure out how to, how to add or tweak the scheduling. So it makes me think, why do divisions? You know, maybe we just do, you know, one Mm. to 12 best, best eight teams get to the, uh, get to go to tournament or, or, Hey, here's a concept. Maybe everybody gets to go to the tournament and (laughs) you just do it that way. I I don't know. Well, there's there's been discussion on that, having, you know, just one, no divisions. And, and, And that will come with being able to play teams from the other side. The only screaming thing you're going to get when you do that, if you do it on a rotating schedule basis where you can't, I don't see us having been able to play everybody soon, but you may have a rotating deal. But the thing is, you know, a lot of schools are going to cry because what if this year I pull uh, Bethune and 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 uh, Alabama State and Jackson, and then my other opponent in my conference is pulling Valley, A&M, and FAMU, you know. So now, yeah, we all playing against each other, but my my schedule is a lot tougher you know, given the fact that I still have to play Southern, Grambling, and those schools like that, you know. So those are some things that we have to work out uh, going forward. But there has definitely been discussions on on those things, having, you know, one conference, no divisions. Uh, Also going to a 10-team tournament as well. Uh, I would would almost promise you next year probably be a 10-team tournament next year. Wow! This year wait, wait. was a little bit. It was a little bit too soon to do it this year, but you probably get a ten-team tournament next year. Wow, that's that's very who, interesting. Who yeah, who would get the buy? The the ones, the ones okay. would get the buy, and which mm. was that 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 sets it up to have your better teams be able to get to the tournament as well, you know, because they've earned that over uh, uh, now it's 15 week period that they, they're going to be able to have that buy that opening round. Wow. I, I like that coach. That, that's kind of yeah. the first time I'm hearing this. I, I, I really like, really like that. So if it was implemented this year, you know, it would be what Alabama state, and Southern with with the buy because they won the division. Correct, correct, hmm. correct. And then, then the other thing is you got to understand too, when you're talking about a city hosting a tournament, the more teams, the better. Yeah, the more teams you have, that's the more selling point that you got. You know, uh, I don't see us going to twelve. I really don't. Um, but ten, I can probably bet you my last two dollars. That will probably go to ten. <laughs> Not your last two. Your last. I, your I last like those kind of guarantees. <laughs> I, I like those kind of guarantees, Carlos. Hey, that, that's tell, yeah. I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna get ready for New Orleans next year. Let's go. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and you know that's interesting because Coach James also talked about. I asked him the question because I didn't know the longevity or how long would it be in New Orleans. Coach James seems to think that it, you know, it's a possibility. It could be. Uh, long-term because, you know, switching it every f- three or four years, 
you know, you're having some parts of the conference fan base. They like Louisiana. Jackson centrally located. So being in one spot, wherever it is, and being there, wow, I, I think that's a great thing, guys. Yeah, and then you understand, yeah. you know, New Orleans is a destination place. It's, it's, it's a destination place. Birmingham is not a destination place. Not for us. Maybe for the SEC, but not for us. You know, our people, they want to go down to New Orleans, go down to, on, on uh, Bourbon Street. You got cigars. You got, you know, martinis and all that. And, and then, it's after, again, we talked about this. It. After the school year, it's like a vacation. You know, so I can I can see landing there and being there for a while. And then the fan support. We've had way better fan support in New Orleans than we've had probably anywhere other than, you know, maybe our own campus site. Yeah. And then you're talking about New Orleans, of course. Then, you know, the spillover, Baton Rouge, Lafayette, those areas. Coach, you can just think about the, the food, Brian. Although I don't eat crawfish. You know, you, you're looking at all the delicacies, you know, beignets in the morning, uh, po' boys. I could go on and on. So I'll, I'll, I'll stop uh, right there. Where is the ballpark in relation to uh, to all that wonderful food and uh, frolicking festivities that you guys just talked about? <laughs> How far away is the stadium? I need to know. I need to know. Do I need to bring a bike, one of the motorized scooter carts, or do I need to get my Uber? Uber, okay. Just Uber, ride the bus. You know, most teams stay in, in pretty good areas where you can get. You know, my team, we can just stay downtown. You know, so uh, and then downtown is probably about uh, twelve minutes. You know, with, without a lot of traffic. You know, about 12 minutes at the most, it's going to be 25, 30 minutes to get from downtown. Uh, but most teams stay in really good areas. The food is good. The only thing that the drawback to New Orleans for the teams and the schools are, you know, everything is kind of hard to get to for us feeding, you know, food-wise, you know, because you got to go so many different places. It's a, it's a big city. It's a hustle and bustle. And everything's expensive, too. You know, so that, that may be the only thing, but – if, if uh, again, the Major League Baseball and the Players Alliance gets involved and we can get some, some deals on some hotels and some things like that, I think it, uh, New Orleans would be a great place uh, to stay. Well, I, I, I think these are some of the things, you know, you start working on now. You know, you right. can have a consultant from the, from the, the SWAC's office. Uh, I'm sure Roger Cador could help in that that situation being an ambassador to the state of louisiana that's what i call it and if you hear him on the broadcast you know it, it comes out he, he's an ambassador he can i think he can help out with, with with a lot of that brian um six to four the bottom of the eighth one out yeah uh let's say southern's yeah. at bat no no men on base man it's i, I tell you it's gonna go to the to the to the end of the game, I believe. Well, we've left uh, what we we left another runner on in scoring position on third. Uh, that brings the total as I'm looking at the stats to eight. So we've left eight runners on base. Southern's only left four, and you know I I, I just I'm looking at that. We you know eleven hits, eight runners on missed opportunities. I, I mean credit to Southern. They turned a couple double plays. I mean. 
Uh, but uh, man, those, those missed opportunities—they uh, come back to to bite you when you when you kind of do the math. So we got—we just need to get a stop here, and then we we you know see if we can work some magic here, get the rally caps out. Coach James, you're 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 managing FAMU right now. You're down six to mm-hmm. four, bottom of the eighth. You know, missed opportunities, left men on base. Is there the saying timely hitting is uh, is so important? Because Coach Kador made the point, you know, um, what's his name? Joe, what's it? Joe, oh, Clark, I think played at Montreal. You know, he mm-hmm. he didn't have a great batting average, but he just had great timely hitting. How important is timely mm-hmm. hitting in, in a baseball game? And you're, you're managing FAMU right now, coaching him. What what do you tell your team down two runs in bottom well, of the eighth? Well, right now, right now it's just about getting out of the inning with, with no further damage uh, and giving yourself a chance. It's easier to score two than to score three in the ninth or fourth, you know, because uh, you can get a bloop and a blast, and then now you're tied, you know, in the ninth inning. Um, one thing about FAMU, though, you know, with them having an eighth run, eight run that they've left on base, they do have the offense to be able to at any time put up three or four runs, you know, and and they've shown that throughout the year. So if, if I'm coach, I'm not really panicking right now at all because I'm actually playing with house money. Because like I told you before, if, if they can get past this game, then now the chips ships in their favor. You know, Southern right now, they're doing everything they can to kind of hold that lead. But you also got to understand, too, in the back of their mind, Southern has lost a lot of games late due to pitching. You know, so this thing is not not necessarily over. So if I'm FAMU, I'm not panicking at all right now. It's just about getting out of this inning without giving up any more runs. Right. So the bottom of the eighth, uh, FAMU uh, comes up at the top of the ninth. Southern's got to defend that two two-point lead. At this point, I'm thinking, guys, you bring in your closer if that's a, a, if, if they have such a, a pitcher or pitchers. But um, right, coach, you, you you've got to really get that closer in there, and you definitely don't want to. You got to throw strikes, and you don't want to give up any walks. Walks on base, hit, and you can very well find yourself in a tied ball game. Yeah, then you got to also understand these are kids, man. This is not pro ball, you know. These are kids, and and they and they've been in, they've been in Birmingham a whole week, you know. They played a lot of baseball, and uh, and and a lot of things start to creep into your mind, you know, that happened during the regular season when when you get to this point, you know. So mm. again, if I'm panicking, I'm not panicking at all. Uh, if I'm Southern, you know, you you got to kind of have a little bit of you got to try to score a run here. You got to. Because you know, as well as I do, Carlos, you know, seeing Southern pitching, it's kind of shaky on the back end right now. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. I've got to take a deep breath. Five, four, three, two, one, because FAMU is coming up. Southern didn't score any runs in that one. It's top three outs, and Southern advances to the championship. Coach, um, we've got to ask you before you get out of here. Um, your your baseball team, of course, you've had uh, some health issues this year. And by the way, you're looking a lot better. UAP, 
UAPB baseball, great facility, great stadium. What what are your plans are for moving the program forward into you know? Hey, next year, look, we want to be in contention for the Western Division and, and, and the Swag Baseball uh, Championship. Well, we we have to have a you know I'm gonna have a, a long discussion with my new AD, uh, which is my tenth AD since I've been here twelve years. Wow! Uh, it's, for us, for us, it's about you know getting our administration part together. You know, uh, being able to hire another assistant coach. You know, being able to get fully funded. Like when when are those things are going to happen to where we can get some type of continuity? Because like we have all the bones. You know, like you, you alluded to, we have the stadium. You know, we got all the aesthetics that looks good, but we don't have the structure. We don't have a recruiting budget and things like that that's going to sustain us over a long period of time. And, and you know, look at me, man, it's wearing on me. You know, uh, you know, we had that run from, from 13 to 15 that we were pretty good, but we, I think we caught the league by storm, you know. Uh, and then they figured out, like, oh, we got more resources than they have. Um, so you can't just always outwork people, you know, and all that trying to, you know, uh, put, put, uh, what's called Rob Peter to pay Paul to make things work. That don't always get it anymore. You know, so we have to come up with a concrete plan going forward to say, you know, UAPB is going to make a commitment to his baseball program that, that matches the way the stadium and is perceived on the outside. Brian, couldn't every uh, baseball uh, alums, fans, supporters, sounds like resources, the little things. Can't everybody in the conference make the argument those some have more than others, but some or all could use more more resources to to, to, fund the baseball programs? Definitely, definitely. And that's where we get into the discussion about uh, and that's where these broader discussions start happening about um, expanding or bringing in more dollars into our athletic departments so that it can lift all the departments up, you know. And so while we may scoff and we kind of hear some coaches who are out there advocating and saying and pushing harder for more television right dollars and and things of that nature. There's a reason because all of those dollars go into the athletic budgets, which then help all the programs rise. Um, But, you know, I think, I think it's inherent. One of the things that we've been preaching on our show, just from a FAMU perspective, but it probably applies to everybody is we have got to engage our alumni to ask our administrations to say, what are we doing? What is our financial plans? What is our plans? Why are we doing things the way we're doing them? And why haven't we been doing X, Y, and Z? I mean, look, we all understand that a lot of our schools have been denied millions. If you read some reports, billions of dollars, right? And just imagine, sometimes I was looking at that survey that came out from, I was in Forbes about the billions of dollars that were denied certain schools. And I almost got a tear just thinking about, man, what would my university look like had they not been denied $1.4 billion, you know? Um, but we're all in the same situation. 
And so we've got to be creative. But more importantly, we've got to have the alumni. The alumni have to start asking and putting the pressure on the presidents and the athletic directors. If you're in a situation where you're dealing with a board of trustees or whatever you call them in your state, you got to start asking people these questions and saying, what are we doing to improve programs across the board? Not just the baseball program at UAPB, but also the softball program at Southern. Or it could be, you know, the, the tennis program and golf program at FAMU. I mean, across the board, we've got to be lifting everybody up. And it starts by getting money and get, first off, getting the right people in place that can make the right financial decisions uh, to to sort of grow uh, what we have at stake. So, yeah, everybody's in that same boat. But I tell you, our, our alumni our alumni have got to be smarter and have got to be asking the questions. We can no longer just sit by and watch and say that's because that's how it's been done. And no, we, we can no longer continue to do that. Um, and that's why I continue to ask people, ask why. When they, when they say, well, this is what we're doing, why? Why are we doing it this way? Why aren't we doing it that way? I mean, and I think those discussions continue. Uh, they need to be they need to be had. They need to be had more often. Well, excellent commentary there, um, Coach James. Also, just to add a little bit onto it, and Brian talked about it, having the right people. You know, and I've often said, you know, it's academics first. I understand that, but athletics and academics go hand in hand, and Coach, you gotta have a, a president, chancellor, slash a board that is that believes in that concept and have to be athletic friendly. You know, 2022, we're still talking about the same things that we were talking about 2016. The baseball program, it can really across the board in the conference, but can do very well outside the conference. But it's got to have uh, the resources and the investment in to the the programs but man having the athletic director um you know and and a president a chancellor that's athletic friendly that that can only help so coach i uh that conversation you're gonna have to have hey i understand because it's got to be the right investment and and resources coach uh final closing comments if you have some for us well you know, my thing is what most HBCUs have to understand now, athletics is your front door now. Uh, we're no longer, academics is not our front door anymore because our PWIs and everybody else is competing for our students now, and they're letting our students in. There's no longer those days where, you know, black students have to come to HBCUs. And I, I think we're behind in that aspect in our thinking. And we got to understand that athletics is your front door. Everybody wants to be a part of a winner. You know, I can guarantee you if you look at this enrollment, I bet it's shot up tremendously, you know, since since they've won um, in, in, in football and had some success and have all this publicity going on. You know, and, and I can I can assure you Gramlins is probably going to go up and so is FAMU with, with the success Willis Simmons has had. Southern has Coach Dooley back, you know, uh, the darling of, of Baton Rouge. He's back in town. I, their enrollment going to go up. But you got to look at those things now uh, from a, a, a HBCU perspective that 
athletics is now your front door and you got to do you got to fix up your house you know uh just like he was saying financially we have to do things better coach prime has said that many times we have to stop doing things uh the way they used to do or this is how we've always done it and we have to start to do things the right way from a financial standpoint because everybody has basically taken advantage of us uh the hbcus on the financial side you know so we have to be better at that and it's not only going to help sports but it's going to help our academics as well well speaking of better do my eyes deceive me the basis is low no they don't no they don't and and no (laughs) outs oh unbelievable unbelievable (laughs) to your point coach panic. james you said the pitching on the back you end and, well and and fundamentals had a chance to turn at least uh, try to attempt a double play uh the throw to second a little bit offline and the second baseman dropped it yeah oh boy this could be devastating. Well, Coach, we appreciate you joining us. Um, interesting. Twenty twenty. We got to leave, gotta leave Coach on. We got to leave Coach on. Coach is some good luck right no, now. Coach, no. don't go anywhere. <laughs> no, no, we can't. <laughs> we can't. Up, oh, that's a base hit. Could score two runs. Could FAMU, I think, it's just taking the lead. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Oh, boy. They're fired up, too. Seven oh, to yeah. six. Let's go. Let's Two go. Hey, Good call, yeah, coach. I told you. I'm just, I'm just underfunded. I can still coach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I understand, coach. I understand. <laughs> Brian, quickly, Brian, quickly tell everyone how you, how they can uh, watch the show. Days and times, yeah. and then I, I'm going to end this segment. I, I'm not feeling too good. Carlos is like, he's got to get out of this quickly. Hey, the uh, yeah, definitely. The uh, ONG Strike Zone comes on every Wednesday night, 8 to 10 o'clock on the Black College Sports Network. We talk about all things FAMU athletics and, and culture. Um, and then, of course, I do the Sunday night show with A.D. Drew, who uh, I know you got coming up here a little bit later. Uh, we do the sports wrap every Sunday night. Uh 6 p.m. Eastern, 6 to 8, where we just kind of opine about all things involving HBCU. So even though he's a rattler, we 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 talk about everything and everybody. And so yeah, you know, we it's a it's a good day to be a rattler. But we got I told you we're gonna play two today, Carlos. I told you we're gonna play two today. And so we just gotta see what happens later in the afternoon. But uh yeah, so ONG at ONG Strike Zone on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And, of course, the BCSN Sports Wrap is a part of the Black College Sports Network. Well, Brian and Coach, it's all the HBCU family. We love to compete and uh, beat each other on the athletic playing field. But at the end of the day, we're all family. That's the way I look at it. Love being a part of the swag. Love being a part of the swag. This is great. Brian, it ain't over to the third out. But but if FAMU with – a seven to six lead, no outs, a man on second and on. third. That more damage could be done. Now, Ralph says, now you're seeing how this midweek <laughs> pitching 
Hey, hey here, here's the thing. Before we go pitchers. Yes, sir. Hey, the, the, the pitching thing is going to be real interesting because as I was looking at FAMU's pitching, and I don't know if you've looked at Southern's, FAMU got – they have a – I don't know if Coach will do this, but he's got one guy that he hasn't pitched yet, uh, a young man named Jeremiah McCullum. He played 19 mm-hmm. times, 19 appearances. He started one game real early in the season. as one of those midweek games. Um, unfortunately, the starting pitcher today was the guy who's the midweek pitcher, and he didn't do too well. So I don't know if we're going to see him again later, but we may see a combination of him – and McCullum, and it makes, you know, so Southern, it'll be interesting to see what Southern does. Any chance Southern brings out their ace uh, today, mm. this afternoon? Coach, I'm going to defer to you, Coach James. What, do, what does Southern do? They're out. They, they're out. They're out. They're out. Out of pitching. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it, it, it's going to take a heroic effort from – Someone that has pitched already um, this week that's probably really sore. But, again, I don't think they can hold FAMU's offense. Uh, I think you're going to get a blowout game by one of those teams in that that second game. Hmm. Southern just uh, got a double What's play the pitch there. Count rule, What's the pitch count rule that most coaches usually go by? Well, you, you want to stay within between one by 120. Especially mm. this time of the year, about pitches, but we've seen guys go 139, 140, you know, because there is no tomorrow, you know what I mean? Uh, so you can you can potentially get some guys go to 140 if they're doing really good because they're probably better than what you got to bring in anyway at this time in the tournament. Well, I put in my notes: quality versus quantity. Sometimes you need both, coach. Boy, Southern yeah. just got a, a good double play to stop any yeah. more bleeding. Uh, that was huge. Uh, force that out, was force huge. out at home and then got the run at first. So, seven to six. Fam, you still two batting two outs. Yep, second and third. Top of the ninth. Well, guys, we're going to have to take a timeout. My next guest is going to talk some uh, NBA playoffs. I was feeling pretty good. Southern undefeated in the SWAC tournament. My Miami Heat. Everybody had them on death's door. They had the obituary, and they pull off a heroic. Yeah, you're a good man, Brian. NBA, and now they got to. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Nope. Nope. You want him? Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. 
Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. That's a pretty tight spot. Watch this. Of course your beard barks itself. That's so you. It's just up here on the right. Of course you know where we're going. That's so you. Kinda got a six sense. And a head-up display. They're here. I hit the field, warm up. You brought all these players in your Buick? Yeah. So you. It is. There's a Buick that fits your life. Because at the heart of every Buick SUV is you. At CDW, we get speed as the new currency of success. Our team spends way too much time tending to outdated applications and software when they should be focused on driving application agility and innovation. CDW Amplify Development Services modernizes software and application development to help accelerate innovation and digital transformation. So you mean building new applications, UI, and mobile interfaces? Well, you said you needed to innovate more quickly. Oh, so he's a listener. To do more at scale, trust CDW Amplify Development Services. This week's edition of the Carl's Brown Show. Watch exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. Boy, I almost got to change my hat. I wanted to do it for, for this segment. Uh, I'm joined now by Coach Van Petaway, the Carl's Brown Show's basketball analyst. Coach, good afternoon. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine, uh, Carlos, but I know you've got to really be having a great day after what your heat ca- uh, did last night. So you 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 got to be in in a hog heaven today. Well, well, Coach, you know what? I, I, I'm I feel good about it. Game seven, you just don't know what's going to happen. This has been a uh, a series where you had lopsided uh, victories by both. Both teams, more so Boston Celtics, both teams defensively are really good, especially the Celtics, the Heat. Um, Not a bad defensive team either. You've had injuries to affect both teams. Now it comes down to game seven. And, boy, uh, I had to stop watching the, uh, the national shows, the prognosticators. They all talked about they had the obituary for the Miami Heat. And I must admit, it did look bleak. It did. Uh, I mean, both teams have lost home games, multiple home games in this yep. series. Both teams have won multiple games on the road. But, you know, from Stephen A. Smith to everybody, you know, basically, Bruce Hart, they all had the Miami Heat. They wrote their obituary. But like Lazarus, they rose from the dead. Yes, Coach, they did. They did. That, that was a great game. That was a great game. Uh, you know, oh Jimmy my. Butler is showing he's showing people that that, that he is uh, one of the top players in the league. He had an outstanding game. But I think uh, 
a lot of times people look at the guys that's doing all the score, but I think a big key to last night's win, Kyle Lowry was a he settled down and had a good game. He he was a great quarterback uh, on the floor last night. I think he ended up with like ten assists. So you know he he got the ball to people that needed to get it. And when he's on the floor, Miami has a real transition game because he's always looking ahead. And when you can get those easy baskets, see, I tell people all the time, you in transition, if you can score without playing against five-on-five defense, it's an easier brand of basketball. And that's really what he brings when he comes in the game. Uh, I mean, what he brings to the game for Miami. He pushes the basketball. He's always looking ahead. And uh, when they get the basketball ahead, they normally score and have an easy baskets. So you don't have to play against five-on-five five against that half-court defense because the Celtics are a pretty good defensive team. So so getting those easy baskets, not turning the basketball over, and then, of course, Jimmy Butler just having an outstanding game. He had a great game. But now what, what's got me worried, because mm-hmm. he's still playing and he's not 100%, Will he have enough time for his body to heal and be ready to play? Because he played, he played forty-six or forty-seven minutes. So, you know that that's a lot on his body, especially with you coming off of an injury. So, I'm anxious to see if he's going to get off to a good good start tomorrow. I think playing at home will help because I think their home crowd will energize them. But they've got to come out. From the get-go, they got to let Boston know that hey, you get nothing here today. That's what they—that's the mentality they got to have for tomorrow. And, and, and excellent points, Coach. And, and and they've struggled at home, so getting right. off to a, a great start. And um, like the last time we talked, I'm I'm going to put I'm going to call Bam out again. You know, right. I, I think he must play much better. And sometimes that, you know, great offense is run through a great defense. And as you talked about, getting out in, in, in transition. Also, the others, the others. I think right, they, right. whichever others or either team, somebody has to come out and, and play well. To your point with with Jimmy um, Butler and also Lowry. They've had to fight fight through injuries. How well will the recovery time be for them? I basically like you said, saw in the post game, basically treatment and rest, treatment and right. rest. Both both yep. teams know each other now. It's it's about who can come out and execute, and then if some adversity hits, who can adjust? But I wouldn't want to have too much adversity. Excellent point, coach. Whoever gets out. And, and and plays well at first, and from start to finish, you're going to need that kind of effort. It's the seventh game. You don't need any more motivation. Gotta but you got to get out the gate, though, Carlos. Carlos, they got to yeah. get out the gate. Uh, I, I think the team that has the best start, I think that'll be the team that'll be able to uh, overcome different situations in the game. See, it's always harder to fight from coming behind. So that's why you mm-hmm. want to get off to a good start. And I think if, if the team that gets off to the good start, and I'm hoping that's Miami. Miami, I think they deserve it. I think they're showing the world that uh, a lot of people have forgotten now. Miami is a team of champions, too. <clears throat> they got, <clears throat> excuse me, they have championship DNA. Their coach is a championship coach. 
Uh, he's already won of some titles. So uh, they've got it. Uh, some of the players that are on that team, they weren't there for uh, for those championships. But, you know, you, you got father time still there. You, uh, you Donna Hannes, uh, you, he's still there. So he's able to tell the people, the guys, what to expect. He's been in game seven. He knows what the struggle of playing in a conference championship and what they're going to have to do to win the game. And then, of course, once they win it, now you're playing against a very rested Golden State Warriors team, uh, you know, because they, you know, they're taking their time. So they're a little nagging injuries. They, they're going to have time to heal. But Miami, tomorrow, the Celtics in Miami, they got to go all out. There's no tomorrow. They got they got to play. Uh, they can't worry about uh, minutes restrictions on anybody. They got to win that basketball game if they want a shot at competing for a championship. So I look forward to a great game. I think it's going to be a great environment uh, on Sunday. You know, during the week when you play the early games in Miami, you got a late arriving crowd, and that's I think that has a lot to do with them getting off to uh, uh, slow starts. But I think the crowd will be wide open tomorrow. Uh, you know, on Sunday they don't have anything else to do other than the beach. So they're used to the beach. So they'll come in and they'll be in there on time. They'll be in there tip off. And I expect Miami to come out and play like the home team. They got to if they yeah. want if they plan on winning. Yeah, and, and it's what? It's a night game. Um and, and you're right about, about the crowd. Now, as far as and some of the the national shows, uh, some of the prognosticators talked about this. Boston has been to the Eastern Conference Finals several times in the last few years, but they haven't been able to make that next step from a middle standpoint. And, and they basically said Brown and Tatum and, and Horford, you know, and Smart is they kind of sense, uh, kind of suggested that maybe the pressure is going to be on on Boston. Do you agree with that, Coach, or is the most pressure on, on the home team, Miami, or does Miami culture and experience, can it help them in this situation? I, I think there'll be pressure on both teams because no, uh, no one wants to lose his seventh game. Uh, but, but if you were to look at it, I would feel that there's more pressure on Miami because they're playing at home. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, bosses, they're, they're – you know, they were one of the top teams. That the, you, you got the two top teams uh, in the East playing, so they were expected to be there. So, But I, I think when you're playing at home, I think there's more pressure on you to perform for your your home crowd and your fans. So if I had to put pressure on anybody, to me, I would think that Miami would, would be the one uh, that would have a slight edge when it comes to game time pressure for the mere fact that the game is being played at their place. But both teams, mm. you know, in game seven, they, you know, they're going to have the butterflies. Everybody's going to be nervous. Uh, it's it's going to take a while for everybody to settle down and a team that settles down first and gets it going. I think they're going to have an advantage. Wow. Speaking of hearts of champions, Southern down to their last out. They got a man on first and second. The batter comes through with a single off the FAMU's infielder's glove, and now we have a tie game. Southern has come back again after having a, you know, a lead, losing it to FAMU. Boy. Oh, well, wait a minute. But, but, but wait a minute. Carlos, with yeah, those so, guys, yeah, so, 
not that it's seven seven, coach. Seven seven. Yeah, you're showing the resilience of those players because you know because of the rain here in Alabama, everything has been has been moved back. You know, they they're not playing at the normal times, and so uh, it, I, it it just shows the great character that these kids have because they're battling even though uh, things are not normal. This is not a normal day for them. So that that's good. That's a good testament to the the coaching staff and also to the players uh, for having it in their heart and in their mind to, to go out and win despite of. Yeah, never underestimate a heart of the champions. Rudy T, yep. Coach Rudy T came up with that. Um, visiting with um, Coach Van Petaway here on the Carlos Brown show, um, on the other side, then I'm going to come back and ask you about something else that some of the prognosticators talked about. Uh, one being the East has been a brutal defensive struggle, both teams. They, this one person thought that no matter whoever comes out of the East, it's going to be contrasting styles, a wide-open Golden State team offense against a defensive team, either Miami or Boston. And he believed that the Eastern Conference representative would have the advantage. Whoa, that's a big statement. But with Golden State, they were able to uh, win the series 4-1 to one against Dallas. Uh, Coach, what were your thoughts on, on, on this series, the Western Conference Finals? Well, <clears throat> I thought Golden State once – Phoenix was eliminated. I felt that uh, Golden State would be the team to watch. Uh, in the beginning, I did have Phoenix winning it all. But after they went down, I, I knew that Golden State was the next best team in there. All they needed was some rhythm. And they seem to have their rhythm now. When you got four or five guys on, on the floor that can score the basketball, that makes it hard to game plan. That makes it hard to defend. So, even though the teams in the East play better team defense, they haven't come across a team in the East that's got five scores on the floor. So, see, I, I think Golden State still is going to have an advantage because when you can bring people off the bench like Poole, who can really score the basketball, that makes it extremely difficult for those guys who's coming off of the bench to play against somebody like Poole who could be it somewhere else as a starter. I mean, this guy has game, and he's proven it throughout these playoffs. So it's going to be tough. Both both uh, Miami and the Celtics play great defense, but I just think Golden State has too many weapons, and if they're on, I, I, I don't think they're going to be able to handle them. I don't think their defensive pressure will overcome the offense that Golden State can generate. Hmm. Well, you heard it here first. Coach Petaway believes Golden State, and, and and I'm sure that once the finals are set, I think most of the experts will uh, point to uh, you know Golden State at, at you know uh, that they're going to win it, and you'll be able to break down the game advantages, the pros, weaknesses. But um, for Boston and Miami, uh, Coach. They've got to get through this game tomorrow, game seven. Yep. Um, now, Dallas, they've already lost, okay? Uh, whoever wins loses Sunday night. As an organization, your team came this close to getting to the finals. 
do you do a uh, major overhaul or do you just kind of look at adding some pieces? And then the loser of Miami and Boston. I'm already hearing uh, some chatter about Miami, whether they make it and win it all or if they don't make it, they're going to have to you know, do some some minor surgery <laughs> on the team. How do you answer that? Do well, you agree? Uh, well, when you look at Dallas, Dallas has a, a, a pretty good team. They could add some pieces. See, they don't have to blow up their roster. What they got to do, they got to make people on their roster better. You know, they, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they, everybody talked about Luca not being in shape. If that's the case, he needs to get in shape. He's their number one. He's their go-to guy. He's their leader. He needs to be leading by example. He should be in better shape than anybody else on that team. So if that's the, if that's part of the problem, then that that's easy to address. He can get that done in the offseason. But he's got to have the uh, he's got to have the mental stability to do that. Mentally, he's got to be into knowing that if I do this, it'll help my ball club. He's got to take that initiative and go ahead and get started. The money for him is not going to be an issue. He, he can hire whatever, whatever he needs. He's got to hire that person. So for, for Dallas, you know, you don't blow the team up. You just add some pieces to it, get Luka in shape, and then next year I think they'll see results. Now in the East, I don't think Miami or Boston can afford to blow their teams up. They need to keep them. Nah. They got good pieces. You you've played you played consistent basketball all year. So I don't see a need to mess with any of the teams that are in the in the final in, in the conference championship. Golden State, win or lose, they got a good squad. The, the three remaining teams, I'm mean, sorry, the two remaining teams, they got good squads. You don't have to break them up. You just add pieces. Just add to what they have. And then see this series. The injuries have played – this is the first time in a while that the playoffs have been marred by so many injuries. In other words, you got people that you're not on – they're not on the floor. Like in Miami's case, Hero, they need him. You know, they need his presence on the floor because even if he's not hitting the shots, they know that he can hit them, and that stretches the defense. They got to get out on him. Without him being on the floor – they can crowd and shade other people. They don't have to be as tight now on some of the other people because you got people like Hero who would stretch the floor. He's not out there, so that clogs things up. But in terms of the rosters, all they all these teams got to do is just add a couple of pieces, and I think they'll all be fighting again to get back to where they are this year. I think Dallas, in, in my opinion, they need to add a rim protector. You know, um, for them, Miami at what probably, cost, Carlos? At what well, cost? See, if, if you if you go after one of the top rim protectors, you're not just gonna get him for draft choice. You got to give up somebody on your roster. And right now, they they need the pieces on their roster. Uh, you know, if they can go after a veteran that can come in and help them, but going after some of these young guys, that's gonna cost too much. I feel. I think I think it messes up their roster. That's a valid that's a valid point, but you know someone like 
maybe a Andrew Drummond type, you know. Right, I, right, I, I right. understand, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah I can just, see that. Yeah, but yeah, uh, and, 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 you know, Mark Cuban has all the money in the world, but <laughs> besides that, Coach, I, I understand what you're saying, and, and it's got to be a good fit, too. Um, with, with Miami, I, I kind of, and then I'll move on, I kind of, kind of worried about Duncan Robbins, you know, and, and, and for Hero, I think where he needs to probably get better offensively, got it going, you know, get better defensively, but Robinson is a liability on the court defensively. You saw, you, you, you kind of can see where during the regular season teams kind of, you know, picked on him. So, you know, there's conversations, um, Bradley Bill, uh, Donovan Mitchell at Utah ad, adding a, a a prolific two guard, but that's kind of the chatter what you're hearing. But but coach, you are the coach, and I trust and respect your judgment and your perspective. Miami probably does need to add a little bit, but I, I yeah. And now that you think about it, that's all add. Not subtract, right. and if you're gonna add, and if you're gonna add, then you gotta really do your homework. And who do you give up? And do they have the asset? Um, right. What's the word I'm looking for? Do they have uh, something that someone else would want in a, in, in a you know a sign and trade or what have you? The pieces. So it's, it's going to be interesting. That's why it's important that you're. Um, that your management, that they uh, have their pulse on everything and their decisions that they make is crucial. Right, because everything is is, uh, is based on the salary cap and, and the, the people that you're naming, like somebody like Donovan, there's no way they're going to be able to put him on that staff without giving up. I mean, I'm putting him on that team without giving up some of the, the uh, assets that they currently have, you know, because you – you're going to have to move some big contract to get somebody like uh, Donovan Mitchell, who, who probably is going to be close to $40 million. That's too much money to invest in a guy because you would have to be giving up too much, uh, too many other players to get somebody like, like him in there. But, but if you, you go to these mm-hmm. free agents who, uh, who are, who are uh, what they call un- the second level free agents, right. Then you got an opportunity mm-hmm. of getting somebody in without breaking the bank, without messing up, your current structure. So you, uh, in the NBA, everything is based on uh, that doggone salary cap. You, the numbers have to fit. And the numbers yeah. come with the players. So that's why certain players will not be a good fit for certain teams because they, they make too much. Yeah, and that that's, that's going to be interesting. Last but not least, the Lakers have a, a new coach. Uh, stamped and improved by LeBron James. Some, somebody was being facetious. They was like, well, maybe he could do like Bill Russell did, player coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you something. If, but look, if, if LeBron likes him, that means that he's already talked to him and he's already told him that you do of know course. this is my team, right? Yeah, you do know this is my team. So I'm running it. You, They just got you down as the head coach. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's not the first time a player has had influence on management and the coaching. I could think of uh, 
Irvin Magic Johnson with Norm Nixon. Yep. So th- this is um this is nothing new, but yep. What it does, it puts all extra eyes. Y'all already had eyes on on that organization, but now, um, but where do they go? I still think Mr. Davis, he's a key. LeBron is on his way, you know, out as far as, you know, a basketball player. Uh, Father Time is undefeated. There are conversations now that after the Davis, they may move him. I it's still not a tough place. Uh, it's not a. It's a tough place to coach at. It, still, coach. Oh yes, oh yes. Anytime you you coach with somebody like LeBron who wants to have so much input, there's a fine line between the player and that head coach. So you know that's that. Some people can navigate that. Some can't. Some some people would not. Some coaches are not going to put up with the things that LeBron wants to do. He he he, uh, he wants too much control. Some coaches see it that way, but uh, roster wise, see they they're messed up. Who they gonna move? Nobody wants to pay Westbrook all that money uh, to contract. bring him on their team. Right, right, big contract. Then you look at Anthony. Do you want to make an investment in a guy who may or may not be able to play a whole season? See, all that comes into play. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's that why they were saying. Going- Right. That's why they were saying LeBron really is the only asset that they got that 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 could uh, be tradable. And, and and I don't think they would trade him. I, but right. I've heard people say, you, you know, maybe you should because he still has a tremendous amount of value at, at that at that age. But wow, that's going to be a, a, a interesting situation to uh, to see what the Lakers do and, and the roster as is now. It's it's not a championship roster. Correct. It's not Correct. just just in my humble opinion. So we shall see, Coach. Um, any plans for Memorial Day Monday? Barbecuing, fishing, or just relaxing? Well, I I did the fishing yesterday and got out there, and the wind got up and started white capping. So I had a pretty pretty good day on the water and had to come off early because of the winds. And then later on tonight, I'll be in Birmingham for the. Uh, the SWAC alumni uh, banquet. And so uh, I'm going out of town, and then Monday it'll, be, it'll all be about the family. I'll be at home, be at my house, uh, just chilling. Well, let me tell you this. Uh, a good friend um, of the significant other gave us some speckled trout, and you're talking about oh. fresh. The things yeah. you can do with speckled trout and in yep. South Louisiana, I'll just put it this way. I'm going to have some right after this show. How about that? You're talking, <laughs> a, you're yep. talking about fresh, and you can be yep. very creative with the sauce and all of the fixes yep. that go with it. Oh, nothing like fresh fish, Coach. Yep, nothing fresh like fish. it. Nothing like it. So if you ever want a UPS or FedEx me some fresh fish, you have my permission <laughs> to do so, Coach. <laughs> All right, Carlos. <laughs> uh, next week, next week, hopefully we'll uh, have the, the new basketball coach at Alabama A&M on the show. You're working uh, for that to happen behind the scene. I appreciate that as well. And, and, and Coach, um, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and you and your family stay and continue to stay 
safe and stay blessed. Final comments. I think you wanted to say something about the, the new coach at Alabama a and Yeah, he's already confirmed. We, we'll have him. We, I'll hook you guys up this week. Uh, he, he's excited about it. He's looking forward to it. So you'll be able to get him on after you set up, you know, the times and everything. So that, I, I think you, uh, you'll enjoy conversating with him. And uh, as far as uh, any, anything else, I'm just looking forward to the game tomorrow. Uh, I'm hoping that your Heat can pull it out. Uh, they're playing at home, and so they got to go for it. Uh, not only are you a big fan, but uh, my, my youngest grandson is a big Miami Heat, uh, Heat fan also. So uh, Grayson expects them to win the game tomorrow, so they better win for Grayson's sake. And, uh, oh, and- yeah. Yep. And, Guess what? And it's, it's, yep. It's been great, and uh, uh, I hope I hope the best for you tomorrow with the heat, and everybody be safe and God bless. Well said, Coach. And if not, I'm gonna be an angry and disappointed man. Uh, boy, fam, you just scored. I think Uh-oh. they've just taken the lead in the top of the tenth. Southerners under the under the gun again. And uh, first and third with two outs. Top of the 10th, FAMU pushes across a run. Wow. Got to put on the rally caps, Coach. But uh, <laughs> appreciate you for coming on. Have a great weekend. We'll talk next Saturday. All right. Thank you. Talk to you later. All right. That was Coach Van Petaway here on the Carlos Brown Show. Going to take a quick timeout. Schedule to go live to uh, – Birmingham, Alabama, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill and A.D. Drew will give us an update. I got one eye on the screen, one eye on the other screen. Unbelievable. FAMU up 8-7 to seven over Southern University in the top of the tent in the 2022 SWAC Tournament Baseball Championship in Birmingham. Take a timeout. You're watching the Carlos Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. GMC Sierra with hands-free driving offers the most advanced and luxurious pickup in its class. Yeah, it rocks. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com.
Some carriers will give you just one measly entertainment subscription. One is no fun. With Verizon, there's up to seven entertainment subscriptions with your unlimited plan. That's seven times the... <laughs> seven times the... No, no. Seven times the... Yes. Music, gaming, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+, Plus, and more. That's seven times the entertainment. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better costs less than you think. Star Backyards Yellowwood brand pressure treated pine. If it doesn't have this yellow tag, you don't want it. song played by the jukebox is black and blue and boy since the break seven seven famu spots four three run homer now famu is up over southern university as southern university comes to bat in the bottom of the tent famu up 11 to 7 it looks really really blue let's go live to uh, birmingham with A.D. Drew and Coach Kenyatta Cavill, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, at the 2022 Swag Baseball Tournament. Fellows, good afternoon. A big blast by FAMU. Now they're up 11-7. to 7. Southern University like comes that. to bat in the bottom of the 10th. Can you hear me, A.D.? Well, apparently we're having a little technical difficulties there. Um, with uh, A.D. Drew and Dr. Kenyatta Cavill in Birmingham at the site of the SWAC uh, baseball tournament. Boy, FAMU. And Coach James talked about it in, in our number one. He talked about the pitching and Southern's uh, pitching, he thought, in his opinion, was a, a bit shaky. And when they went into the bullpen, it, it did not fare well for Southern University. Unless they could come up with four runs to tie the game up, FAMU will defeat Southern University in the 2022 SWAC baseball tournament uh, tournament and championships here for Southern University. And what that means now, if FAMU holds on and wins this ball game, and it looks like uh, they've got a great chance to do it, then FAMU and Southern will play again at about three-ish uh, this afternoon. Uh, let's see if we can um, now go back to A.D. Drew and Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. Uh, guys, good afternoon. Can you hear me? Good afternoon. Can I can hear that? you. Oh, yeah. 
that is the fangs. Uh, FAMU <laughs> struck. They really struck for four runs in uh, the top of the 10th. And it was interesting. I was telling the audience, Coach Carlos James, who was on the show in our number one, he said if FAMU can win this baseball game, they have the pitching to put themselves in a position to be very successful in the second game that Southern and FAMU will have to play. And he thought, in his opinion, Southern's pitching was not as good as, as FAMU, the depth and, and, and the quality. So, guys, you're there. It's been a great uh, tournament so far. You had a lot of one-run uh, games. Uh, you had the weather delays. They, it, it played a big part, but you've had some great, great baseball being played in the tournament. AD and, and, and Dr. Cavill, your, your thoughts on, on the baseball tournament so far from the action you've seen? I'll let you go first, Doc. Yeah, it's been excellent. You know, six of the games will run one games uh, in terms of even a seventh was a three-run game. And as you see, you have championship caliber games going on, a couple of multiple inning, extra inning games, which is fascinating. But I think um, selecting the top eight teams with Bethune-Cookman and FAMU coming in has paid off just like we thought in terms of the strength of this conference uh, going up extramentally. So I think it's going to be fascinating. I did get to hear the early versions of the show from the very beginning. A great show thus far, great interviews in terms of the dialogue. And I think Coach James obviously has the working knowledge coaching uh, from that perspective and watching from a different bird's eye, if you would. But I think at this point, when you got a team like Southern that is just used to winning in the history, that um, while there might be a question on the arms, there's not going to be a question in terms of the heart and how they're going to push through. So I think the second game, if uh, FAMU is able to hold on what it looks like they are, you just get a pop-up in the deep letter center that will uh, give FAMU their second out. So Southern is down to a single out uh, to push uh, this winner-take-all game this afternoon. Uh, but with that being said, I think you're just going to have that. You're going to have a literal fight as this old rivalry would have to those that have followed it so many years on the gridiron. I think you have that same type of fight and energy. It's just transferred to the grass, uh, the diamond, as they would say. Yeah. I, I concur, Dr. Kavir. You know, you talk about uh, those close games. There's a lot of parody, and it's, not, it's, it's parody, not mediocrity, because seven of the eight teams here in Birmingham came into this tournament with 19 or more conference wins on the season. And the number 18 had 16 wins. Dr. Gaville, Carlos, you guys have been around the swag a, a long time. When is the last time every team in the tournament was over 500? You've never yeah. seen it. Yes. Every um, team in this not tournament in the, was over 500. Certainly not in the modern era. You yes. just haven't seen it. And you talk about championship pedigree, uh, Dr. Kavir. I challenge Southern's ch uh, championship pedigree with the fact that although it was in a different conference, in the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, Florida A&M University oh, no doubt. is the only institution in MEAC history to win the conference title from the loser's bracket, having done it twice, once in 1992, and most recently in 2019. So this is a championship pedigree uh, institution and program. It's just now switching conferences and bringing that championship mentality 
from the BIAC to the SWAC. I want to make this clear before you ask your follow-up question. You're exactly right. When I was talking about Southern's championship pedigree, I was respectfully talking about Southern and not that FAMU didn't have it. Oh, so no, I'm so I, glad I, that you I, brought I, that I, up. I understand that. Because yeah. you're right that this game that we're seeing here talks about the level of these programs. This game that we which saw is, here. I'm about, what a game. You just get a strikeout yeah. that guarantees that there will be a championship game. Right. And, and, and to your point, both, yeah, both programs, they don't have to take a backseat to anyone. And, no one. That's right. And, and that's why in hour number one, I talked about, we, we kind of talked about the impact FAMU and Bethune as far as their baseball programs, what they would bring to the Southwest Athletic Conference during the regular season. But now we even see it more so in, in this tournament, uh, tournament atmosphere. And congratulations to uh, a FAMU. There will be a another game, and wow, you, you got to look forward to to that. Now, the next game, Alabama State and Bethune Cookman, guys. How uh, Bethune Cookman's in the same position FAMU was in. Can they defeat Alabama State twice? I think they have an excellent opportunity. But but what do you guys think? Well, what you look have going into this game, Carlos? You got Alabama State's. Sunday starter going up mm-hmm. against Bethune's midweek starter should be advantage Alabama State, except for should the be. fact that when you look at his last outing against Alabama A&M, he only lasted just over an inning against Alabama A&M and is coming off of six days rest. So we're going to see the rest versus rust factor. Mm-hmm. And then also the fact that his last outing was not that good. Now, Alabama State did pull their their pitchers early on Friday, excuse me, on Thursday and Friday, so they should be available for some key outs and possibly an inning or two if needed. Alabama State's trying to get out of here in one. They know they have two to get one, but they're trying to go ahead and, and wrap it up. And last point about Bethune, you know, Bethune, fam, you – both of these teams are trying to be the one, first one to win a conference title in both the BAC and the SWAC. And wouldn't it be ironic if both of them come for the losers <laughs> bracket yep. and play for, for the SWAC champion. title in their first year? <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, you talking about those folks in Florida to close out the academic year, they would have it in terms of the social media platforms. We can step away for a week because it's going to get ugly. But that means oh. that they become officially swackish if that happens because they will talk more noise <laughs> than any of us will ever hear. But to your but point, I think this matchup is going to go down to what I like to look at in these games. Who is able to get it done with the two outs? Can you get that third out mm-hmm. if you're on the mound in the field of play? And if you're on the offensive side of the ball, can you produce that RBI? Can you produce that extra hit that sets up the next RBI? That's one of the biggest things that I've seen in college ball at basically every level that really differentiated from professional ball. Professional ball, you see an error, but in, it doesn't really cost the team uh, in terms of what happens. And when they get to two outs, you might get even get a hit, but they close teams out. In the college ball, who's able to navigate that space the best tends to be the team that wins. So we tend to focus on pitching 
because it's so obvious and it's there. And you just don't know how a young man comes into a game. So it's hard to really look at their ERA or what they did over the last week, as you pointed out, which is a great indicator of what they did over the season. Because now you're in a different mindset. You don't know how they slept. You don't know what's going on with the family. And they don't have the professional disposition to kind of focus stuff in. So those are the things that you really don't get to know as um, media pundits, if you would, trying to cover these games. That's the differential that you don't quite to get. So I really like to look at just technical aspects about how do players weave themselves in and out of certain plays. And the dynamic I like to look at is the two-out guideline. That that third out is so difficult sometimes. How many runs are scored with, with two outs? We've seen that throughout baseball, and you've seen it specifically in this tournament. Coach Kadar talks about timely hitting. You know, yeah. some batters have a high RBI, a batting average, but how can you get the timely hits? And then he talked about putting the ball in play. Certain things have to happen. You have to be fundamentally sound. So with all that being said, I'm going to go out on the limb. My big prediction, I think Bethune-Cookman gets it done and forces a second game. And if I'm wrong, I'll blame it on Charles Edmond. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was messing it. with Charles earlier today, and I told him, <clears throat> look, I know you only want to call one game today, but as a Rattler, I'll, I'll need you to be here for that second game today because he will be on the play-by-play for the second game. So once we get off of here, I'm going to see. I'm, I don't know if he's going to go back to the hotel and rest up or if he's going to hang around here, but I got to tell him that FAMU Jinx is, in, is, is working real good on him right now. And tell him that prediction about a high-scoring tournament hasn't been as high-scoring as he thought it would be, but, hey, that's that's just predictions. I want to ask you about this, specifically um, Dr. Cavill, but also you too, A.D. Coach James, I wouldn't say breaking news, but he talked about the expansion of the tournament. And I know he's on the committee going to expanding the tournament to, to 10 teams, then he also talked about uh, eventually more competition between the Eastern and Western Division, you know, in, in, in a three-game series. But get your thoughts on on the the tournament. Perhaps expanding I like the way- as quick as next year. Ten, 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 ten teams. That means two teams want um, uh, make it, of course, and then the, the 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 divisional winners will get a bye. Yeah, I'm glad that you y'all flushed that out and asked, you know, who would get the buy. And they said the number one seed that does put some value in getting that number one seed. Um, obviously, one year is hard to make a data point. But from this year, it was clearly that the top teams were the top eight teams, the top four teams in each division. And obviously, that might slightly change from year to year. So you can make some adjustments. I have some concerns that if you mm-hmm. open it up for the to 10 teams that you're going to get a at least one team in there, if not two teams in there that are not really strong. You know, uh, Drew talked about the fact that you had these teams with, you know, 18 wins and one, all of them with over 18 wins and only one with 16 with winning records. You go to the 10th team, it's highly likely that those teams, one of those teams, if not both of those teams, won't have winning records. So I think it dilutes it. 
I will give the point, you know, from a business perspective, I did like the fact that he shared that it may provide the conference with a better business deal because you bring in more teams. So that is something mm-hmm. that you do have to consider uh, that I would like to see flushed out. But right now, in my opinion, I would like to see it stick with the eight teams and kind of see how that goes for a couple of years. I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach, but I've, I've got to side with the yes, it, this may be a good thing for the conference. It also sets up that your better team, your best team, will be your representative because your division winners, your East winner, and your West winner, where their pitching will be set because their number two seed will have to go one day deeper into their pitching. And we all know pitching is the key to winning the tournament. So you you have more of a chance to set up where your, your two number ones play each other in the conference championship game, which in theory should mean the SWAC is sending its best team to the NCAA tournament, you're going to see, I think, fewer and fewer three seeds wind up winning the, the, the SWAC tournament by getting that early day one upset and then riding their, their pitching out because that number one seed, their number one will be going against your number two on day two of the tournament. Advantage should be to the double to the double one C and so forth and so on. They should always have a a one spot pitching advantage throughout the tournament. That's a good point, but I, I would I would push back and say now you're going to have your two versus your five, and if your five is the team that barely got in the tournament like we seen this year, I would argue you would see what go went start back what we seen in the week guy. You st- start your midweek guy. We seen that play out when the four seed. Uh, was in the tournament and the four seed wasn't a very good team, the, the number one seed would not throw their ace in that game. Let me throw this. Would, would they do it like that or would they make four and five play each other? For like almost like a play-in type situation. I'm just yeah. throwing out some different scenarios. Hmm. Well, yeah. and, and I, That's I think we'll... ten teams there, but just I'm just thinking Yeah, if they play it as a play-in, then it's four or five. Um, and that could be and, interesting. And, and but then, usually in it, they do is it's two five. But and yeah, then, and that's going to be interesting. So when you look at it, that, would change the dynamics. This is four or five. They're going to throw their ace uh, to try to get in the tournament. Um, and then you have your two versus your three. And those teams are so close that they're probably both going to throw their ace. Yeah. So it would make the uh, number one seed uh, in a position of strength. And we have to sit on their ace before they threw them. Yeah. When you look at a true five team double elimination, so I'm really interested to see the format. That I've I've done enough youth basketball, youth baseball, where that five team bracket gets real funky because when you get to day three, if one team has played one less game than the other one, no matter what they record, they have to play and all that kind of stuff. It, it can get real funky as far as trying to determine how, how this works in a true double elimination format. Right. I don't want to get too academic in this, but I want to bring it back to Carlos James, though. This brings in enough of the dynamic because I think we got to be careful that we're automatically saying that because I don't know if they're depending on the team. Some years there's not going to be much differential between a number one and a number two. Correct. In some cases, it's even a one, two, mm-hmm. or three. Yeah. You know, and when I say that, I'm talking about your pitches on a weekend. Yeah. You know, you might just have the ace. I know back in the day, you know, when uh, Coach Robinson came over to Prairie View, there really wasn't much difference between a one and two pitcher when they were going back-to-back championships. 
those one there was some drop off to get to the one third. One eight. They were one and one eight. You could change them out. They just threw out the rotation, and that's kind of how it started off. And they it worked, so they kept with it. But in the tournament, there was no differential to them. So I think that's where you get into where Carlos James talked about. You may see the swag starting to move to where they get a deeper pool of pitches based on kind of what they've seen mm-hmm. taking place with um, Bethune Cookman and FAMU. And you've seen maybe Alabama State kind of went in that direction. Alabama State, in terms of years, had known for having deeper pitches, but it really hadn't helped them for success in the tournament. They've only had one championship in terms of championship tournament. Now, they finally got it done a couple of times, but it was a four, five, six, seven years before they win a championship. So there's some calls for breakdown to say just how much bigger – the pitching matchups is over the hitting. I'm not there. And even this year, it's clearly that the East has been stronger in terms of defeating the West. But let's look a little closer at the numbers. Those games where you saw that first two days, we had those matchups, they were 1-1 games. It wasn't one like run. the East just yep. dominated them. They won, and you give them credit for that, but the margin of error was this <laughs> slim. So I think sometimes we need to slow down and really look inside the numbers. I tell you what, has not been slim though, Doctor Cavill, at this tournament. And Carlos, you've had me. I know you've you've been watching as much of the tournament as you can. But there've been a couple moon shots here, here that have not been on camera. <laughs> and I know we saw we saw one, the Grand Slam off the scoreboard yesterday, off the video board. And then I saw the that. we saw uh, the, the one, one that we you saw, saw today. The you you did not see it today. You had to be here. There's a uh, a, a, a garage like warehouse out in right field and mm-hmm. it's 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 got one of those v-shaped roofs the ball hit the top of of the roof and bounced over and landed wow. on third avenue i i guarantee you that ball was hit for the quarter <laughs> yes and yes. it hit on the back side and it, of and, the it, roof. and, it and it one hopped to third avenue which is probably maybe about 475 500 from home from home plate that's how far wow. that, that shot went. We, matter of fact, oh, it, it was hit so hard because Kabil uh, and I were sitting next to each other. And, you know, he said a, a few words. I said a, uh, I said a four-letter word when he hit it. Oh, you know what? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, nobody on the field moved. Move. That's, how, that's how hard and how far they, bought, they knew that ball was gone. It, 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 it was the just, shot. It was just, the turn, shot, it was just the, turn and watch it. <laughs> the shot heard around uh, Birmingham. You guys have been having a great uh, discussion going going back and, and forth. Quality versus quantity as far as a pitching. And also, I think if and, and we're talking, if this takes place, moving to um, a 10-team tournament and the number one seed is getting a bye, I think it puts even more emphasis on doing well in the regular season to kind of earn that 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 buy uh, for, for for what is worth. So it's going to be interesting. We'll have to follow up with Coach James and 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 see uh, more, talk more about this, this potential ten team turn. We got some um, people in the chat room. At least one said that it, keep it at eight teams. He would like to see it at eight. I, I like it at eight. I like it at eight. But if you go do it, bring all twelve teams. Do the SEC format. You know the SEC. Uh, has a 12 team tournament, and day one is a single elimination to get you down to the eight. 
where the top yeah, four get they, a bye, the other eight, the other play play in in, in a one game, winner take all to get you down to the eight. Then it goes to a uh, double elimination, then back to a single elimination. So if you gonna do that, you gonna bring ten hell, bring all twelve of them. Let's let's get let's have some real fun. Oh, AD, I, I, now, I, now, uh, I, I can't I can't vouch for all twelve now. <laughs> well, well, I know what Jack, I know what you're gonna say, Carlos. You're gonna have concerns about the competition. I'm gonna go back to the business side of it and then get you to kind of chime in on mm-hmm. this. Now you're talking about really the cost exploding when you talk about that because you got to remember again, uh, school is out, so you got to house all these extra teams. You got to yeah. feed them. So you're talking about exponentially increasing the cost for a lot of folks uh, that need to go back to work about making sure they uh, improve their teams in the first place. Which means schools need to do one thing. We need need to fund these baseball teams so that you have some competitive baseball teams. But that's a discussion for a different show, Carlos. Well, well, that's what what Coach James said in his closing. You know, specifically – um, he talked about UAPV and getting the resources and having to sit down with his director of athletics. And, um, and he said, this is his 10th one in his 12 years. Wow. But um, that's a conversation he has to have and, and, and he needs to have. And then I added that each institution in the, in the conference for as a baseball program, some have more than others, but I think all of them would say we need more resources and more investment. And uh, wait a minute, who is that? Who is That's that Michael I Coker. see on there? The one other than Michael the one Coker. Only Michael Coker. How you doing, Michael? <laughs> how, how you doing, sir? All right, how about yourself? I, I, I'm doing fine. Sorry, I'm sure you enjoy- AD, AD is allowing me to squeeze in for a minute to hear you. Oh, that's quite all right. I I, I love it. And you're, you're a baseball guru. You, you got to be enjoying yourself at the – 2022 SWAC Tournament Baseball Championship. You're enjoying yourself, I'm sure, Mike. Yeah, uh, here's some facts. The first mm-hmm. four ball games, the first four games of the tournament were all decided by one run. Yes, sir. That's SWAC Baseball. Number two is we had two blowouts yesterday, and this one was uh, – it, it went extras, but it was almost decided by one run as well. We, yeah. we went into the bottom of the ninth, mm-hmm. uh, seven to six. Uh, Southern tied it up. So this has been one really good tournament. There hasn't been any issues with the, the, the play on the field. None Great whatsoever. And, 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 and Michael, how, how do you see the rest of this tournament going? Who, who, who will raise a trophy in your opinion at the end of the day? I know it's a lot of particulars that go into this, but, um, uh, Hey, putting you on the spot there. When you come on the Carlos Brown show, that's what happens. Who who you who you see hoisting that trophy up? Well, I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm going to stick with Alabama State. Uh, I'm going to okay. go with uh, who I think dominated the conference during the regular season. Who dominated dominated the SC? I mean, I'm sorry, the SWAC during the uh, regular season. Who has pitching? Who has not been exposed? I think. Uh, my second team is you cannot deny the defending two-time conference champion Southern. If uh, by any chance Alabama State is tripped up, uh, we will have this conversation and go back to Southern. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I wow. Like it. Back-to-back, Dr. Cavill, uh, tournament champions, trying to go for a third one. It's going to be tough. But, you know, I, I had a dream, not that dream, 
that the great Dr. King had, but I, I had a feeling FAMU just was, I would not be surprised if FAMU hoist that, that trophy. It was a huge victory, uh, the last ball game, and then they got to play again. Uh, I would not be surprised. Dr. Ville, same question to you. Who do you think will host that, hoist that trophy? Um, I... <laughs> Yeah, look at, I think look at AD in the background. I've, I've always said it's always tough for uh, expansion teams to come in a conference and win it um, in the first year in some of your major sports. So I, I think I would have to lean uh, towards um, – I would have said before that game I would have led Southern, but I'm going to go with Michael Coker, as he said. Uh, Alabama State, I think they get it done and, and have that extra time of rest, and it will break out a little more – and they'll ultimately get it done against uh, Southern tomorrow. I still think Southern will find a way to get it done tonight, though. Good point. Mm, uh, I don't need to ask AD. We, I know who he believes is gonna gonna uh, take it <laughs> off. FAMU. I, you know, again, I, I just thought FAMU was very a very dangerous team. And uh, oh, they dangerous. It, don't get it twisted. Yeah, they it, have more than a punch of chance. They can they could easily find themselves in championship uh, Sunday. I, I think Wait. pitching going forward, you know, the rest of the day and tomorrow, going to play a key factor in which team uh, gets it done. Uh, fellas, closing yeah. comments from you on uh, this tournament in Birmingham, the 2022 Swag Baseball Tournament Championship. I, I'll go first. Uh, you know, if Bethune wins today, my, my – plans of going to the usfl game tonight will be shot because i will stay over here and watch some championship baseball but i think if we got out of here since it's only about a mile away to progressive stadium i was gonna go catch the usfl while i was here in birmingham but getting back to baseball for the second game between famu and southern uh famu's uh number one starter i believe was ejected I mean, excuse me, not Fabian Southern's number one starter was ejected from the last game by the umpire. So he won't be available in this afternoon's game, which he may have been able to give them an inning or two. Should be inconsequential come tomorrow. But that that ejection, let's see if that comes back and plays anything because that may be a out or two that he may have been needed tonight. And Fabian's bats have been hot. They've hit some timely home runs. They've got some timely hits that have allowed them to overcome some of the other mistakes that the Rattlers have have been making and some of the untimely hits that they they have not been able to put together. So will that trend continue in game two today? That's going to be the question that that we're going to have to uh, sit back and watch. Can Fabio continue to win with the long ball? Oh, I agree with you. FAMU has certainly uh, showed some power at, at the plate. And so it'll be interesting to see can they carry that on, uh, especially as you get deeper in terms of the pitching arms and uh, regarding Southern. And to your point, when 30 got thrown out of the game uh, for arguing strikes, essentially is what, uh, what we were able to glean from what we were watching. And it was right after the emotional home run. So it was unfortunate that they um, had that quick trigger, but I, I got to believe the umpires have done a very good job uh, this whole weekend 
the instant replays. They've went there, and I don't think I recall, but maybe one of them. And, and obviously, I haven't been here for every second, but I've uh, watched about 90, 95% of the games. I've only seen one overtime overthrown. Um, and so they've been really good in terms of uh, calling these close plays and getting them right. So kudos to the to the umpires in terms of what they've been done, doing during this game. So you have to do it. But it'll be interesting, as you said, was that an arm that, that would have been thrown tomorrow if they had won, which means he would have been out? Or do they get the benefit now that they have to play tonight if they can find a way out of it that he's actually eligible now for the championship game. Assuming that they so, win. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. If they would have won, there's no doubt he wouldn't have been eligible for tomorrow for the championship game. Correct. Now that you got to play, right, um, he's not going to be eligible. So one way or the other, you knew he was not going to be eligible for a game. So it's going to be interesting to me to see um, does that now actually benefit them of having to play FAMU in this like game instead of being able to not have him for the next game period. So, so, Carlos, what 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 are we gonna put on it? Uh, uh, dinner next time we see each other. If uh, my rattlers go ahead and beat your yeah, y'all gotta today. put something on this. I I'm gonna be in Birmingham for Swag Football Media Day, we, and we, so pick, we, the winner, the winner, the win, yeah. And I'll just say this: I don't know if you noticed, but uh, I've, I've I've changed hats. I hope tomorrow, after it's all said and done. I like that. Southern Southern will be uh, having pictures on social media saying that they got it done. And then that Sunday night, the Miami Heat. Come on, Roy. I know you're smiling back behind the scenes. Too, too, too much Heat green in your can... life, Carlos. Too much green. Green for Fabu, green from the Celtics. <laughs> Doubt the Heat if you want to, baby. Yeah, the Miami Heat. <laughs> I hope what they, they say. They I know you love crazy. Houston when you come this way, <laughs> Carlos. Tell them you've heard a coach with the Houston Rockets say, "Never underestimate the heart of a champion." The heart of a you better champion. use that line. <laughs> yes, and Lazarus has come from the dead because all the prognosticators <laughs> had the heat buried. But you're right; they did. You know the heart. They did. I must you admit, I sent you nothing. that text, and I was like, "Oh boy." Uh, <laughs> And I said on the show yesterday that Carlos is smiling on one side because Southern was doing well, but hurting on the other side because the heat were down. I get back to the hotel, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Let me text him back real quick and apologize. <laughs> <laughs> you said you can't delete the text. <laughs> it was sick. No, so no, I had to yeah. clean it up. Luckily, I got it before he sent me back. He was nice. Yeah. Well, you know, one way or the other, I'm going to either be happy or I'm going to be disappointed. But yeah, yeah, I'm, pull, yeah. I'm pulling for, um, of course, Southern University and the Miami Heat. But guess what? It's been a great tournament, guys, some great baseball action. It, it's it been a class act all the way through the commentary. Um, Charles and Santoria, also Coach Kadar, what a walking encyclopedia. And if you guys get a chance to see him, tell him I said hello. And, um, you know, it's, it's just we been will. a great, it's been a great tournament. Well, that's going to do it. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you in New this. Orleans next year. I know. Oh yeah, that's right. The swag tournament is in New Orleans next year. And so, uh, I hadn't been to 
SWAC tournament in a couple of years, got to represent the home state. And um, it should be another great tournament. It, it should be. Guys, enjoy the rest of your stay in Birmingham. Appreciate the update. Appreciate you guys. And um, have a great weekend and enjoy uh, Memorial Day as well. We'll talk again real soon. All right, we'll holler. We'll holler. All right. All right. On that note, I want to thank Roy and all the guests here on the Carlos Brown Show. Roy Evans behind the scene, a FAMU graduate as well. Got to love the HBCU family. Everyone who watched, uh, don't forget, like, subscribe to the Black College Sports Network, Jericho Broadcasting Network, Carlos Brown Show. Follow us on Facebook as well, Twitter, all the social media platforms. For everybody involved, have a great rest of your weekend and enjoy your Memorial Day. And until next Saturday at 11 a.m. for another edition of the Coles Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network, peace and God bless. Thank you.